If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1 today. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 9 down through to 14. And as you're turning the, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this message and how, uh, you know, what's, what's going to preach and, you know, considering what's going to happen. And, you know, I've been thinking about my life, you know, over 15 years of being a Christian. And I've learned that you can become, you know, what's so busy for the kingdom that you'll have no time for the king. Uh, I've learned over my 15 years of being involved in ministry. I mean, I've been an usher. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've been a, uh, I guess, um, a new convert teacher, teaching people who get saved, bringing them to the room and teaching them the first principles of faith. And being involved in so many other aspects of ministry with terms of worship leading and, and all that sort of stuff. And I realized over time where God revealed my heart. And God revealed my heart through a pastoral changeover where my heart was really at. And there was a time where, you know what, our, there was a pastor that took over. And I really didn't like what the pastor, who he was. I didn't like what he was preaching. I didn't like everything and how he was conducting the service. And God revealed to me really inside of my heart that was really all there alone, all along. And God revealed to me, it was like this revelation out of the book of Revelations. Chapter 2, it's in this chapter and the verse talks about a loveless church. And in this chapter, it's talking about how this church does all the work, labors so hard, is patient and everything. But yet in verse 4 says, but you have left your first love. And I say that to say this because, you know what, we can be a very busy church. We can have a calendar fixed with, fixed with so many events and yet continue to move forward. And yes, hallelujah, and these are the good things. But yet, may we never forget why we're doing it and who we're doing it for. Amen? Because we can get so busy, get caught up with ministry and get caught up with being involved with people that we just don't have time to sit down with the Lord and think about, man, where is our heart? And I remember sitting down with my wife. I remember talking to my close friends, Pastor Sean. I've been telling him, man, I'm struggling. Come on, you got to be real with yourself in these sorts of situations. you got to take off some of these spiritual masks that you're carrying and say, man, I'm struggling. I remember I stood down from all the ministries I've been involved in. I, I sat down. I began to question everything from, you know what, from the potter's house stand is why we do this. My heart was so kinked, and yet my friends were there sharing me. Man, don't ever forget it's about Jesus. Don't ever forget it's about a relationship with Jesus. Don't you ever forget the love of God. And I repented, man. I changed my mind. That's what repentance means, a change of mind where we begin to come back to the heart of worship, where we come back to realize, man, God, forgive me for just doing all the things that I forgot about you. And it was in that moment I was willing to serve again. It was in that moment I was willing to submit under again under a godly ordained leadership pastor and I begin to surrender and serve again and it was all because this revelation again you know what not to get too caught up but to remember it's about a relationship with Jesus and so I want to preach a message entitled when all is said and done amen when all is said and done because when everything is finished listen all these things that we've accomplished all these things that we've done when all is said and done what matters is our relationship with God can you say amen first Corinthians 16 verse 14 let all, that you be, let all that you do be done with love. Man, let it be said for our church. Everything that we do was because we love. We love God. We love others. 
we love each other let everything that we do let it be done with love I mean this has got to be the indication of our church this has got to be the indication of your heart why are you serving brother why are you serving sister why are you involved man why it's because of love it's because of love Jesus asked Peter after Peter denies him three times man Peter denies him. He's swearing, I don't know Jesus. I don't even know him. And he runs away, goes back fishing, backslides. And Jesus so graciously comes back, meets him at the beach and sets down, sits down with him and begins to ask him some questions. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Man, we got so many disciples out there feeding sheep. We got so many people out there involved in ministry, feeding, doing all these things. And yet Jesus is asking the question, do you love me? Do you really love me? I'm writing and I'm thinking about these things and I'm thinking about my life over 15 years of just being saved and just being involved in ministry. This one simple thing hit my heart and just changed the way I do Christianity, changed the way I've been involved was because of love. Do you love me? Jesus is asking. Do you love me? So our text in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through to 14. Listen to this. For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Get this, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I mean, this is amazing. It's saying fully pleasing Him. Fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of who? In God. It's in Him. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of this inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into His kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Powerful scripture that reminds us of who we are as believers and what we should be doing. So number one, let's consider relationship for a second. We were created to have relationship with God. Can you say amen? You know, Genesis 1 through to 26, 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created Adam. God gave him dignity. God was spending time with Adam. God loved him. And this was a picture of relationship. God delights to have relationship with you and I. God delights to have uh, spend some quality time to you and I. I mean, we think about every other religion out there. All these religions is what you got to do to get to God. You, you got to do certain things, certain rituals to get to God, where Christianity is totally different. It's God coming down to a broken world. It's God coming down to you and I, sinners, reckless lives, and is able to come in. This is the gospel. This is the gospel so that, you know what, once we had this creator and creation experience where God was with one with us and yet through sin cut off this relationship and now God came down to say, listen, I need to restore this connection that was disconnected and God sends down His Son, Jesus, to restore us back to the Father again. And I'm telling you this because we were created to have relationship with the Heavenly Father. And the curse for us as Christians and the whole of humanity is isolation. I mean, people would want to, uh, you know what, divide your relationship with God. Things will come and begin to bring your attention away from what really matters. And that's your relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage every brother, every sister today, don't isolate yourself. 
Don't be a lonesome person. Don't be Nigel, no friends. And be like, oh, yeah, it's just me. Don't worry about me. And, and then what ends up happening is you begin to think about things. You begin to stew over things. And what ends up happening, your faith gets contaminated. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Listen to the wisdom that's found in this verse. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. I mean, people are trying to encourage. People can try and, you know what, speak into your life. But if you're someone who just wants to seek your own desire, a man who isolates himself, listen, is destructive to your walk with God. And so God declared it is not good for man to be alone. I mean, we need each other. Amen. We need to be with each other. This is why the church is important. This is why we ought to come to church. This is why the sinner can come through these open doors and find the Savior. This is where the church could be open to the saints to find encouragement through each other. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 is the scripture for our church. It's always saying, you know what? Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That means encouraging one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. I mean, we live in a day and age, right, where there's so many lonely people. We live in a day and age where there's so many people that just isolate themselves. There's a clip that I want to show you. Uh, and if you can get that ready, uh, there's a clip that I want to show you. And I'm sure many of you have seen it. You know, a few days ago, a young man was running in front of cars, trying to get hit, trying to kill himself. And none of the attempts were working. None of it was going right. And one of the brothers, his name is Lesser, he's from Strathpine, uh, from the Potter's House Church. He saw a young boy uh, trying to, you know what, kill himself. And, and so his daughter actually says to him, turn around, Dad. Let's go find this boy. And so they turn around and they're looking 10 minutes trying to find this young man. And they, they see him standing right there on the edge of the train station, which I'll show you very quickly. And he's about to end his life. And you'll find that Lesser, the brother, is calling out to him. He's calling out to him. Listen, your life is worth it. Let's watch this clip. There's Lesser there in the corner there. He's yelling out to the guy. He's, he's telling him the train just gone by. Just in those few seconds, Lesser was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Come talk to me, bro. Come talk to me. And he yells out and he says, your life is worth it. And the young boy yells back and says, no, it's not. No, it's not. I was talking to these guys and you know what the reason being this guy was lonely had no one to love him no one to care for him and you know what? there's so many young people out there like this young man ready to end his life ready to say you know what i'm ready to end it all there are people here today you've got a testimony that you once wanted to commit suicide you wanted to end your life but listen when people find 
this need through a relationship with God, when it's met through the Savior of Jesus Christ. Listen, when people find the true hope that's in this relationship where God is, you know what, the center of their lives, right then and then you find true fulfillment. And I'm telling you, this is why we preach. This is why we have a uh, calendar filled with events. So that way we can have young people like this man who wants to end his life to come in. Oh, so we can all go out and witness and preach the gospel and tell them exactly the same news. Your life is worth it. And the truth is this, just like this generation is crying out to be accepted. This generation is crying out to feel loved. This generation is crying out. I mean, they don't have signs to say I'm lonely. They don't have signs. But I'm telling you, we got to be a church that have some spiritual antennas up. Just like Brother Lester and you driving across and thinking, man, when God speaks to you, say, hey, listen, that's the lady that you need to tell them about me. Will you be obedient? Will you act out of obedience and say, man, you know what? I'm going to do it. Not just, oh, it's just God, I got to do it. But it's because of love. Do you love people? Do you love God? Because it's through a genuine love of God that people do want to serve. It's through a genuine relationship with Jesus that people begin to get involved and to see lost souls come in and get saved. And we all have this inward desire. We all have this inward uh, desire to feel appreciated, to feel loved, to feel affirmed and approved. And the problem today is so many people have been rejected. So many people today have been excluded, have been hurt by the ones whom they thought would love them most. And so we have adults and teenagers today who shun relationships now because of the past and the fear of rejection. And underneath all the hardness, underneath all of the facade that they put on in front of them, listen, inside of them is a crying woman. Inside of them is a crying man seeking the love of God, seeking someone to open up their hearts and pull them out of the uh, despair, pull them out of the pit. Because people have this innate desire to be loved. There's this emptiness. There's a void within people that are longing for relationship. And I'm telling you, that only can be, uh, I guess, uh, satiated, quenched because of God's love. So let's talk about the desire again to please. The desire to please. Because in all our attempts to be accepted by others, we do things to please people. We want to maintain the relationship so we action our lives accordingly uh, for others to be pleased with us. And the problem with that is that the person who you're trying to please is just as much of a sinner as you are. One of the realities of life is that people are trying to please, that you're trying to please will let you down. How many have been there before? You're trying to please someone and yet, uh, you know what, you're trying to impress them, but yet they let you down. And those who cause you the most pains are usually the ones you love the most. Amen. Think about King David. Here he is. He's expressing this hard truth in Psalms chapter 41, verse 9. He says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. I mean, I think about every parent that has to go through the struggle of seeing their, their son or their teenage daughter run out. I'm thinking about every uh, young 
parent or every parent that's seen their kids go out into the world, how much it would hurt their heart to see them come back home again, just like the prodigal son running out, spending everything that they had on worthless living. And yet the father sits out and begins to wait, wait for the return of the prodigal son, just like the parent is looking out, man, I, I trusted, but yet they decided to go away because people wanting to please people. I'm telling you what, it'll end up being hurt. You think about the woman or the young lady who'd give up their bodies for a one-night stand just to feel loved. You think about the young man who'd want to feel accepted by joining gangs. It's this innate desire within someone's heart to be pleased. And the Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord listen, shall be safe. The word fear means anxiety. It means quaking. It means trembling, uh, anxious care. In other words, when we become anxious of people, right? When we quake and tremble at others, it brings a snare to our lives. The word snare literally means a noose. It's a picture of what happens when we fear man, when we solely desire to please man instead of God. We end up getting ourselves in a snare, a trap around our neck. And this is where true anxiety comes in. This is where true anxiousness comes in because there's a choking upon someone's life. Trying to please people, trying to go around and, and please everyone else, but yet their lives, they're choking themselves to death in a desire to please the boys, in a desire to please girls and everything, and yet their life is not, you know what, going anywhere. Their lives are now choking. I want to ask you the question today. As Christians, we're called to not only be fishers of men, but to desire, ultimately, to desire and please God. I mean, ask yourself the question, does my life please Him? Does everything that I do, am I, is my life pleasing to God? We need to answer this question. We need to ask ourselves, is everything that I'm doing, is it pleasing God? Brother, sister, the relationship that you're in, is it pleasing God? Come on, somebody. Is, is the way you're living, the way you're behaving, is it pleasing God? The way you're serving in your ministry, the way you, you're acting in front of other people, is it pleasing to God? I mean, let's consider a few avenues when it comes to pleasing God. Number one, faith. Hebrews chapter 11. We all know this verse, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Amen. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of those who diligently seek Him. This is the central of our understanding. That you know what? When all is said and done, man, I just want to please God. Through the preaching, you know what, man, God, help me to write messages. But God, at the end of the day, I want you to be pleased because, man, what's being preached is what's got to be pleasing to you. In whatever avenue that you live in or you work in, maybe you're at your workplace, listen very carefully. People or your boss might get you to say, hey, just, you know what, maybe just lie a bit over here. Oh, listen, why don't you just, is it pleasing God? You're going to please your boss or you're going to please God? Or your boys might say, listen, I'll give you something, man. Or your girlfriend might say, hey, listen, why don't you come over? And Is it pleasing God? Should you even be in a relationship? Should you even be considering being together? I mean, the Bible talks about this, that we shall not be unequally yoked. Come on. I want to say this. You know what? If you're not going to bake a cake, don't preheat the oven. 
I'm just going off script now. Come on, if, you, if you're going to be together, your intention of being together has got to be for marriage. Come on, that's the Christian world. We got so many people who want to preheat the oven. Uh, they want to, you know, do anything, but they ain't going to bake a cake. In fact, they even got the right ingredients. Come on now, I'll tell you what, we got to be a people that says, I'm not going to please man, I'm not going to please anyone else. Come on, I'm going to please God. And when it comes to relationship, the church has got to say, we're clear on this. We want to please God in this. When we remain pure, when we remain, you know what, innocent, say, God, I want to please you with my life. God, I want to please you with my relationship. God, I want to please you with everything that I do. I want to please you. Cherry on top, come on. (laughs) Faith pleases him. Faith that pleases our God. Mark 6 verses 5. I mean, you think about this for a minute. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. I mean, there are two things that caused Jesus to marvel. There are two things that caused Jesus to stop and realize, wow, it was faith and it was unbelief. On a separate occasion, Jesus had an encounter with a centurion soldier. Throughout his exchange, he begins to see, uh, you know what, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Amen. Jesus is pleased. He said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Amen. I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And recently, I've got to ask myself the question, can that be said of my life? Can that be said of my faith? That Jesus looks down and says, Man, I've not seen such faith in all of Beanley. I've not seen such faith in all of Queensland. When I look down and he's pleased, could that be said of your life? The faith that begins to stir God's heart. Faith that moves God's heart that says, wow, I'm marveling right now at what's taking place. I wonder if God looks down and says, man, I'm pleased with the faith that's happening in your life. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Say amen this morning. Amen. Secondly, uh, that's not only faith, but let's consider works, which is talking about your conduct. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Hallelujah. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, there are works that really do please God and there are works that really do displease Him. And that's our conduct. The way we live our lives can either please God or displease God. Our conduct either glorifies the Spirit or it gratifies the flesh. Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand. Just as I told you in the time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is 
no law. Our works are pleasing God. Our lives, our conducts have got to please God. Let's talk about a sacrificial heart because this is what it uh, talks about in Cl- uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Amen. A sacrificial heart is well-pleasing to God. When you begin to uh, give your life sacrificially to God and lay it down at the altar and say, God, whatever it is, your will, let it be done. God, not my will, but your will be done. Lord Jesus, if it, anything that comes through my life, God, I want you to be glorified, just like we sang this morning. Obedience is another one. Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Number five is words. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. You see, God takes note of what comes out of your mouth. God takes note of what you speak on a day-to-day basis. Proverbs 6 verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. The words that begin to you speak, is it glorifying God? Is it bringing glory to His name? Is it a testimony to Jesus? Are you representing Christ the way He is represented? Amen. And thirdly, let's close with the favor of God this morning. Every Christian's desire should live to please Him. Amen. Every Christian's desire should be like, you know what, God, I want you to be pleased. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, listen to this verse. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. I mean, that's the reason why I said at the start. Over 15 years of being saved and being a Christian, so many times of being involved, outreach after outreach, and countless prayer nights. And you know what? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You you know what? You can easily get caught up in just being busy and you forget about the King. It's so easy that you can get so caught up and all of a sudden you forget that, man, you know what? I'm doing this for God. That's the reason why we have church. That's the reason why we get involved is, is not just to have a title and be like, oh yeah, I'm this now, I'm this person now, I've gone saved and cool, I'm, I'm mature now. And we forget, no, listen, it's about Jesus. It's about pleasing Him. It's about, you know what, God taking the glory. It's about Him and it should be our aim. It should be our ambition to say, you know what, God, I want it to be well-pleasing to You. Aim means to be fond of honor, to be actuated by love of honor from a love of honor to strive to bring something to pass you see that should be our love motivation for him that we want to honor him that should motivate us to do what we want to do for God and when we begin to function in this manner listen we obtain God's divine favor God's divine favor is given Jesus himself made it his sole mission to please His Father. 
He wasn't out there to please the men or the Pharisees. He was in it to please God and the favor of his father was upon his life. Listen to Luke chapter 2 verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God with man. In favor with God and with man. And so Jesus is our example. He centered his conduct. He centered his words. He centered everything around his life. Nothing else came remotely close but just to do the will of his father. Just to please his father. And everything that he done was like, you know what, God, I just want you to be seen upon my life. There is an anointing upon him. There is an element of God's blessing and God's favor upon one's life that chooses to surrender and say, God, I don't want to please anyone else. God, I'm in this to serve you. I'm in this to please you with everything. When all is said and done, God, you be pleased with my life. Will God be pleased with your life when everything is said and done? Will God be pleased with you? Oh, man, I just work nine to five every day, every day. Well, When all is said and done, is God pleased with your life? The one who gave you breath, the one who gave you the blessing, the one that gave you the ability to walk upon your two feet, the one that gave you the job that you were praying for, the one that gave you everything. When all is said and done, will your life be pleasing to him? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Enter into the joy of your Lord. I mean, in everything that we do, let's do it to please him so that God's favor God's anointing, God's blessing would come and be bestowed upon us. That there is such favor when we begin to say, you know what, I'm in this for no one else but to please God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. When all is said and done, let's please Him. Let's please the Savior. Not about you, but this is the sort of impact that I want to have. This is the sort of impact that I want on my life. To have miracles follow, signs and wonders follow. To live in a supernatural, see lives redeemed and saved, transformed, rescued. To have the element of the anointing because of the fact that when we pray, God is pleased. That when we get involved, God is pleased. And when we serve, God is pleased. Colossians 1 verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. When all is said and done, our lives have to please Him. Lord, I thank You this morning. Reminding us, Lord God, for what really does matter. Bringing us back to the heart of worship. Lord, let us not be like these churches that are written in the book Revelations. That when you come down and you see this church, let it not be a lukewarm church. Couldn't make a decision to live for Him or to live for the world. Let it not be a church that still holds on to things of the past. Let us not be the church that has forgotten our first love, that we do all these wonderful things for Him, but yet we've lost our first love. This is why we do what we do. Just like that video. Young men, young ladies out there, ready to end their lives. 
Where's the church? Are we obedient? Are we acting in love? Is there other things that are in the way of, of loving God? Other things that we need to get rid of that are hindering our walk with Him? Is your life pleasing Him? I want to give an invitation. You're here today, my brother, my sister, and you're empty and you're broken. You're lonely. You know you're not right with God. You know you're a sinner and you know if you were to die, that if you were to stand before God, God wouldn't allow you to come into His house, His presence, the heaven, the kingdom of God. You know if you were to die today, you wouldn't spend eternity with Him. You're here today. God loves you. God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for you and I, us sinners, that we could be restored back to the Father again. You're here today. You're not saved. You're not right with the Lord. But today you want to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. If that's you, once you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. Brother, if that's you, you lift your hand. Maybe you're a backslider. Sister, you're in this building this morning. This is no accident that you're here today. God wants to remind you to come back home again. To give your life again, to surrender your life to Him. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another day. God is, Jesus is coming back. You're here today. Stop playing church. Stop playing games with Jesus. Get your life right. If that's you, you lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I've had enough of this world. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my heart. If that's you today, won't you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. I need God. If that's you, you be honest. Say, yep, that's me. Speaking to everyone here this morning. Where would you spend eternity? Where would you go if you were to die today? Heaven or hell? God loves you. Raise your hand with mine. Say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. These altars are open. Church, if God has spoken to you, what did you come out of your seat? right now begin to spend some times with the Lord maybe you're here today and you know what you, you've, you've, you've realized man my life's not pleasing to Him won't you come out of your seat the altar right here for Christians for believers that after the message is spoken that you know what God's uh, maybe strung something in our heart it's struck a chord let's come out of our seats and let's be real with God and say God forgive me I'm living my life trying to please other people and I should be pleasing you. Come on, church. Come out of your seat. Why don't we find a place at this altar? Let's be real before the Lord and say, God, I don't want to end my life and be at the end of it all. When all is said and done, my life wasn't pleasing. Don't live with regret. Let it go. Let the past go. Live for God. Find true joy. Find true peace through that relationship with Jesus.